Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Produce Buzzers Podcast. We are so happy you have joined us today, and I think you will be too after the show is over, because you will learn a lot about fresh fruits and vegetables, how to select and store them, how to prepare and cook them, and surprising facts about their history and origin. We hope it inspires you to eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, not only for your health, but also for your delight and pleasure as you explore their amazing world of taste and delicious flavors. Eating more of them will transform your life in so many positive ways. So settle back, relax, and get ready for another delicious adventure with the Produce Buzzers. Greetings, Produce Buzzers podcast fans, and welcome to another episode of the podcast for lovers of fresh fruits and veggies. I'm your host, Edwin Stepp, executive editor of ProduceBuzz.com. I'm joined once again by Teresa Nolan, the president and founder of Produce Buzz, along with Rick Stepp and Cynthia Benedetto, both contributing editors to Produce Buzz. We have just returned from an important conference and trade show dedicated to the promotion of fresh fruit and vegetables. The annual show is organized by the Southeast Produce Council, a nonprofit based in Georgia, whose mission is to promote the consumption of fresh fruit and vegetables everywhere, but with a focus on the southeastern United States. With over 2,500 members of farmers, shippers, wholesalers, and retailers of fresh produce, the organization is having a major impact in that mission. This year's show was held in Orlando, Florida, and over 2,600 people attended it to showcase and learn about the latest trends in the world of fresh fruit and veggies. We were able to meet up with some of those attendees at the show to talk to them about their work and getting people to eat more fresh produce. Over the next few weeks, we will share those interviews right here on the podcast. Since we were in a conference center, there is a bit more background noise than usual in these interviews, so we apologize in advance for that and hope that you don't find it too distracting. In today's episode, we feature the first of those guests, a woman who is the CEO of an organization that is leading the way, inspiring people to eat more fruits and veggies. They have been doing a lot of groundbreaking research, especially in behavioral science, to help people develop healthy habits in the food they choose to eat. So no time to waste. Let's get right into the interview. Greetings, Produce Buzzers podcast fans. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Produce Buzzers podcast. We are so honored to have a woman on our podcast today who is probably doing more than almost anyone on the planet to get people to eat more plants. That's you see right. what I did there? Planet, did. plant. Yes, I saw that. I totally got it. <laughs> Today we have Wendy Reinhardt Capsack. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist and the president and the CEO of the Produce for Better Health Foundation. Now that's what we're all about, trying to get people to eat more fresh fruits and vegetables for better health. Uh, in the foundation's efforts, they work with more than 500 industry and government partners to advance the overall effort of increasing fruit and vegetable consumption. Prior to joining PBH, Produce for Better Health Foundation, Wendy was the global lead for food, nutrition, and health partnerships at the Monsanto Company. While at Monsanto, her efforts focused on bridging the food, nutrition, culinary, and agriculture communities for greater collaboration. Prior to Monsanto, Wendy served as Senior Director of Health and Wellness at the International Food Information Council in Washington, D.C., where she directed communication strategies, including consumer research, opinion leader, and media outreach, as well as publications and partnerships for multiple food safety and nutrition-related issues. Did I get that right? You did. That's a lot. <laughs> Boy, am I tired. <laughs> You've done a lot. That's right. <laughs> Let's first talk about your background okay. before we get to the PBH and education and career. What was your inspiration to focus on nutrition and diet and produce for better health? You know what? I actually, I actually started out wanting to be a physician, and sometimes I still think I want to do that um, on occasion. You can do it. Um, but 
what ha- ended up happening was is my mother actually got terminal cancer oh, yeah. and so through that process I really f- and, and healthcare was changing in the 90s and mm. so I really felt at that point that when you you go into the hospital um, is that many people are so very sick and I think through the experience then with my mother and watching that process I really believed then that I wanted to actually help or be in help people be well versus treat illness myself and then you take a step back and you say gosh what do what do I really want to do what's behind all of that and I think I really want to help people and there's so many ways of doing that and certainly now where I've ended up at PBH it's like um, the best of both worlds uh, an interest in health well-being food nutrition is a part of that and then significant um, importance and focus on fruits and vegetables which is a dietitian's dream job frankly yeah, yeah absolutely we had a very good uh, interesting doctor on one of our past episodes who was a cardiologist for 20 years and at one point he said you know i i realized i wasn't practicing health care i was practicing sick care oh wow and now yeah. he's shifted total focus to a more holistic approach mm-hmm. he doesn't he's not abandoned cardiology he's not saying it's a bad thing but he says the focus has to become in prevention so yes. you know, that's really where he went to, to focus on and have you ever seen any worse food for health than what people are given in the hospital <laughs> i mean well or at the same time you know when you're when you study to become a registered dietitian and people are really super sick and you're and then you're supposed to go and give them, you know, some parting parting words, essentially. Um, now go off and be healthy after you spent time in the hospital. I just think it's, I th- I realize like that's not the most important thing um, to focus on at that moment. That person's really overwhelmed, typically, yeah. trying to figure out how they're gonna. Um, go home and now live their life with whatever ever condition they're dealing with now. So um, sometimes I wouldn't. I was supposed to give them diet advice, but I really just wanted to wish them well and give them encouragement. Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. good point. That's mm-hmm. a very good point. People are overwhelmed, and that the, the mental aspect of it is very important too, mm-hmm. right? Not just the fruits and veggies. Well, you know what? You bring up a good point. Mental health. It's such, you know recently our Surgeon General indicated that we have a mental health crisis in the youth right. uh, in our nation and. One of the things that we focused on in when I came on board at PBH was really looking at not just the health and nutrition part of fruits and vegetables, but looking at other benefits. In fact, benefits that were more immediate, like feelings and emotion and well-being. And so there was research that wasn't necessarily nutrition research, but more coming out of the psychological research that was indicative of, you know, the more people are eating fruits and vegetables, the higher their reported levels of happiness and overall life satisfaction. And it was significant. And it was significant for those that ate fruits and vegetables six to seven days per week. And we know that many Americans are not necessarily hitting their recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables. And so, gosh, I don't know, are people glass, are produce eaters, fresh produce eaters, are they glass half full people? Or are they really people that, um, you know, yeah. are benefiting truly? Are we counting people at this particular table? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a mixture, I think. Yeah. yeah. It takes all kinds, guys. It takes all but kinds. That, that's a good point. I never thought about that. that I've seen those, the research and the studies about how, especially lately, about how it can help your mood, help your emotions. There's a lot coming out there. And, and there's, if you go on fruitsandveggies.org, we actually have, um, you know, Know, some resources there around what we like to call food rooted in a better mood um, for the second quarter of this year we're going to focus on that specifically and um, there's actually a lot of food and nutrition science around actually the gut mind connection it's a lot of emerging research right. and so sometimes you know it's, it's great to hear that stat oh these people that eat this they actually report greater you know overall life satisfaction and happiness but in the end um, or behind all of that it's like Man, there's science there, yeah. and um, there's really something, something to it, and something to explore further. And I think something for the industry to explore further. Yeah. I really think this industry—I'll include myself in it—we've only really scratched the surface when it comes to exploring the emotional connectivity between the fruit and vegetable eating experience and really helping people um, identify how, what they eat is how they feel. 
yeah. and um, and how you feel over a long period of time. Hopefully, you'll continue to make those really important choices that continue that cycle of health and well-being. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think you're absolutely right. That has not been a focus. It's been more about the physiology or you know our bodies and how that responds. But the mental health thing is. Well, that that too, and I like, you know, there's a couple things I want to just add to that. One is very few people, and this goes back to research I did at some of those other jobs that you were talking about, is very few people want to talk about cancer and their food. I mean, most well people do not want to talk about that. That's interesting. Um, They don't want to talk about heart disease because this, I mean, they do and they don't. I mean, they want, that, that is so for many, so far off. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a long-term benefit, right. whereas what we're trying to do is connect to the immediate feelings and benefits that people can experience. And so the funny part of that is people actually talk, when we do our research at PBH, one of the most immediate benefits they talk about straight up is just being more regular. Oh, right. <laughs> so that's that can make one a big that you difference. can feel, everybody. You know when that's been good. That's pretty, imme- it's pretty immediate, too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be shy about it, everybody. So. Yeah, that's Well, you, I, I love the focus that you have put on uh, the PBH in, in, in those kind of things, the immediacy of it, not lecturing to people like, Mom, eat your vegetables, eat your veggies, eat your veggies. It's the right thing to do, preaching. Can you talk about that a bit sure. in philosophy? Absolutely. So, you know, I think it's important when we're looking at a, the, one of the biggest, I would say, and most complex challenges that the fresh produce industry faces is it is consumption. And everyone talks about it, and everyone wrings their hands about it. Yeah. And then, but what, what I felt we at PBH maybe could do a better job of was actually some self-reflection and say, are the things that we're doing, are the approaches that we're taking, are they truly having an impact? And no complex, no issue as complex as fruit and vegetable consumption can be handled by one organization. But we could reframe how we look at the issue. And so we engaged with um, a behavioral scientist specifically, and now everything we're doing is rooted in behavioral science. And so a key tenant of that is... um, is really looking at a behavioral framework. And that behavioral framework is no, K-N-O-W, feel uh-huh. is the secondary um, step of that, and then, and then do, the action of it. And so previous campaigns, things like a PBH campaign like Five a Day or More Matters, these were campaigns that were rein- helpful in reinforcing the healthfulness of fruits and vegetables or the fact that, yes, in fact, they could have a health benefit. But yeah. They weren't necessarily emotive or aligned with people's values in an, in an emotional connectivity way that then would inspire the action. Yeah. And so really now our call to action, it's have a plant. Our target audience for that is millennials and Gen Zs. And we're seeking to kind of get a little bit of wind in our sails, if, if you will, from, from the plant-based or the plant-forward movement. Right. It's really touching on, yes, it reinforces that fruits and vegetables are healthy. And oh, by the way, they don't think it's pot, like the plants are pot. They actually do <laughs> think it's fruits and vegetables. Um, and so they, they have an emotive um, or emotional connectivity with that message. It's aligning with it a value, which could be about sustainability, or it could be about healthfulness or well-being, and it reminds them and encourages them to purchase or select, and for an organization like PBH, which is really trying to spread the word, it gets them to want to share that message um, in a way that signifies uh, what their values are, and for that, for our core audience, that's really important um, in terms of, of touching on all three of those things. Right. I was privileged to be in Scottsdale when you re- when you revealed oh, revealed yeah. or the big launched, reveal. Yeah. Sure, the big reveal to launch uh, for have a plan. Yes. Uh, talk about uh, you know that was a brilliant. It is a brilliant campaign. I was really excited to see it come out there and all the beautiful uh, marketing work you did around it. And uh, can you tell talk about how that's gone and what the, how the mission's going there? Absolutely. So um, the have a plant movement was launched in April of 2019, and since that time, you know, we're starting from nothing if you will, in yeah. terms of, you know, do people know about this, whatever. So now we, if we say nobody knew, 
except you know us and the people <laughs> in that room and then obviously we launched over digital and social media right. is um, now we're reaching millions yeah. of consumers every single day and in fact um, we're reaching into the hundreds of millions now wow. with consumers and so what we find is that a lot of influencers particularly in the digital and online space where we're investing is they are using the quote the have a plant hashtag and they're really spreading the movement that fruits and veggies are the plants that no one's eating enough of and um and there's great benefit in do, you know the eating experience yeah not necessarily the long term always right. uh, but how it tastes um how it looks what it how it makes you feel yeah my child who's 25 she and her friends are very community-based and walk to the bookstore instead of just ordering it on Amazon. So they're trying to, uh, to make a, a change there. But um, I find that they all are big veggie and fruit eaters. But that could be because how she was raised also. And like, sure. like be, get like. How does that get influenced by if your mother always fed you fill in the blank? Is it until the millennials and the Gen Xs go out of their mother's home? Yeah, you know, you, you raised a really good point. So we did some consumption research uh, last year, and it's a project we do every five years. It's called the State of the Plate. And it's called I, what? It's called the State of the Plate. And you can go on fruitsandveggies.org and get more information on it too. But one of the things that I, I think it's really important when we're thinking about produce consumption is there's a lot of data out there. There's vol We like to say, let's take a comprehensive look at this. So there's volume data, meaning how much are people eating. There's frequency data, which is how often they're eating it. And so that's what we're looking at in the state of the plate. And then there's this typical things that maybe the industry really pays attention to as well, like sales data. And, um, and so it's important, I think, look at all of them to understand all three of those categories to understand consumer behavior. In the latest state of the plate report, what we found is that you raise generational um, kind of carrying on the message from generation to generation. And we find that that is actually no longer happening. So the, hmm. the very, the, the consumers that you could like count on to kind of keep that consumption number from at least declining and at the very least maintaining, they're not eating fruits and vegetables in the same way that they That's used to be. And so typically that would be, let's say, uh, those consumers of older generations and then right. the really young kids. So for example, in the latest uh, report, what we found is particularly for vegetables is that there was a decline in vegetable frequency. And this is really important. I'm going to get to this is about habits. So if we use frequency as a proxy for habit, what we're seeing is there is there are less vegetable habits across all age groups. And this is concerning because particularly for our younger parents out there, if they're not eating vegetables, then their kids are probably not eating vegetables. And so we have, when you look at the nutrition data and the volume type of data, is what we see is at about two years old, when kids are now starting to take on the eating habits of the entire family, yeah. that is the critical point at which their overall diet quality, which is significantly relies on fruit and vegetable, it declines. And so we're seeing, I think, I think we all want to, quote, grow a next generation of fruit and vegetable lovers or eaters. Yeah. And I'm just, if we don't switch or change up our approach, I'm not quite sure we'll be able to do that. And so that's why a group like PBH and the others that are focused on these types of efforts are really important, whether it's inspiring consumers to have a positive fruit and vegetable eating experience, or those that, for example, might be more community-based organizations that are delivering food directly to those that maybe um, are less less advantaged and or wouldn't have the exposure, let's say, otherwise. And yeah. so you raised all of those issues in your question to me. I hope I answered them. It will not. It will never be any one thing that it, that fixes a complex issue, but rather 
a ecosystem that's conducive to fruit and vegetable consumption on all fronts. That's uh, that's very interesting. So you're in a, in a sense the the primary influencers for the the younger generations have are their parents or the families. What about talk about your ambassadors uh, oh, yes. and the influence they have? Uh, I know there's been some campaigns in the past, and I don't it was I don't think it was PBH, but it was they were engaging a lot of celebrities. I mean, well-known oh, yes. celebrities. But you, I think, have a more practical approach. They are celebrities. They're not on the level of a, you know, some of these others. Sports celebrities, yeah. for example, yes. But you, you're now reaching hundreds of millions of people through these influencers. Talk yeah. about your network there and who Absolutely. they are. Absolutely. Of course, yeah. So PBH is looking at all the places where people could make a decision. And so we, we kind of simplify that and say there are three points of influence when we think about consumers and them increasing their fruit and vegetable consumption. There's the point of sale. So certainly retail is a significant influencer when we think about um, purchase. And they can also be for consumption as well. Um, then we think about the point of flavor. So culinarians, food service, and that's a really important point. And all of these, by the way, have multiple verticals within them, retail as well as food service. And then we look at the point of inspiration. And these are folks that, depending on who we're trying to reach, look like me, or in the same life stage as me, have special knowledge for which to impart to me or that I identify with. And that's going to be really different for all different kinds of folks. And so really this broad-based influencer network we have at PBH is made up of all three points of influence, anything from corporate retail dietitian, who essentially is the brand face of the retailer in many instances, to large-scale food service providers who are deciding what is even going on the menu in those schools or in those large-scale settings where we're delivering millions of meals a day, all the way down to the mom or the dad that's trying to figure out what they're going to make for dinner tonight. And so when we first initiated the Have a Plant movement in April of 2019, we started out with 12. Okay? <laughs> and and now we have more than 300. So, and those are people who self-select in. Um, they play all different roles to PBH, yeah. and, and they can really serve the industry. Some of them are advisors to us at a strategic level. Yeah. I mean, these are the corporate level folks of all the major retailers or food service establishments. And then we have folks that are really essentially boots on the ground in the digital ecosystem um, creating content for PBH. And they have been trained essentially in this no-field-do behavioral framework to focus, yes, on reinforcing the healthfulness, but also really coming up with solutions that try to drive habit. You learn in sales that every buying decision is emotional. It's not rational. I mean, when it actually happens, the rational has to be there. The no part has to be there to justify when they get to the emotional points. So I think you're really going to the right place here with with getting the emotional Well, that makes me feel very good. (laughs) You agree. That's what I'm saying. But what I hear you say is... But you know, some of those techniques are actually really important. And if if we weren't going to have the greatest impact on knowledge-based campaigns alone, then we do need to switch gears, right? right. And or consider some new approaches. Yes. When you and this might be a, a, a minute part of the issue. The parents are, their consumptions are re- decreasing. So mm-hmm. therefore their children's will be decreasing. Is that back to the old, my mother used to boil the heck out of Fill in the blank. Yes, yes. So nobody. So many people she, do not know. She killed whatever she cooked. <laughs> so by and large, it's because who was cooking the vegetables that they ruined it for. My, you know, I could I could tell you some similar stories from my own childhood as well. Things that should have been probably um, dressed up a different way to be desirable. But I think that's what we were saying before about that eating experience. So if you have a pleasurable experience, it could be really anything, is you most likely want to repeat that experience. Less pleasurable, not so much. <laughs> so we could be talking about 
you know, if we really unpack that feeling and emotive part, we like to break that up in two parts. One is, I like to call it the difference between lust and love. Okay, so we have to we have to like have that lust, like craveability, and that's where that flavor comes in. But then we also have to cultivate desire, and so that takes that's a little bit more involved. That's more more than one date. That's more, you know what I'm saying. So we have to have that repeat exposure of that pleasurable experience um, to then hopefully establish a a desire long term. And the doing long term. Yeah. So is that a, a good recipe? Is that how you get the second interview? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> let's culti- let's cultivate some desire here. Well, that's yeah. a, that's a good point. You know, I think in this nation, the palates need to be retrained. You know, in a sense. There was a good book that came out a few years ago called The Dorito Effect. Did you see that? Or I'm familiar. familiar with it? I'm yeah. familiar. I don't think I read the whole thing, but yeah, I'm familiar. But the basic premise of the book, which was written by a journalist named uh, Mark Schatzker, is that over the past few decades, two trends in the production of our food have been affecting the flavor experience. Firstly, processed foods such as Doritos, from which the book gets its name, of course, have been engineered to have increasingly more intense flavors to the point of becoming addictive. And then secondly, at the same time, our fruits and vegetables have been bred, you could say also engineered, primarily for shelf life and appearance at the expense of flavor. So now we are at a point where the healthy foods, fresh fruit and veggies, can't compete in flavor with the unhealthy processed foods. What do you say to that? You know what? I'm glad you raised that. I'm going to, I'd like to, I'd like to have a little, I'd like to push a little right now. Okay, please. So... You know, I've had the great pleasure of working in lots of industries. I would yeah. say this is this is one of my favorites. <laughs> and I said it was a dream job, remember? And one of the challenges, I think, is there's a lot of wringing of hands when we start talking about, well, the, they have bigger budgets and they make the food taste great. And da, da, yeah. da, da. But but I think, it's, I think it comes back to us. And yeah. so, to me, I think there's a lot of... And I don't think I can, Wendy can change this, but there's a lot of what I would call intra-industry competition. And that has to take place. I yeah. mean, there's a real thing. It's the sales, you know, right. it's, it's, the, it's the policy, um, et cetera. But I think on some issues, there is an opportunity and I, to unify. Yeah, that's And to point. recognize right. who is our competition really. Is it each other? No, it's probably McDonald's. Or is it other potentially convenience foods that also, by the way, taste wonderful? And and are we going to knock them for that? Are we going to try to really say, you know what? What are they doing that we're not doing? And I believe that we're wasting time wringing our hands. I think it's the time to really, on this, it can be a competitive issue in certain contexts, but on some level... Um, it shouldn't be. It should be a unifying issue for the industry. And I think that's really what I'm hopeful to do at PBH is to say, how can we elevate fruit and vegetable consumption as a national priority? We'll never get there, by the way, if we don't really recognize what right. our true competition actually yeah, is. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. I I'd never thought about it in that way. And I've seen this on your website where you take, you don't say, don't eat the cheese and meat charcuterie board. You say, just live it up put some other things there with it yeah add other things to the things they're already eating and you're going to get that nutrition and this is rooted this isn't like just like wendy thinks this or whatever (laughs) this is like really rooted in behavioral science so um what we're looking for is saying if we're going to increase consumption we have to give more reasons more opportunities more we have to form more frequent habits or frequent occasions for which people can enjoy not just one commodity but a lot of them and so we have to create those opportunities well if we're going to form new habits um we can't actually sometimes those those products will be eaten in isolation odds are they'll be eaten more likely in a frequent context a frequent context is a trigger for which then i have the opportunity to add another in this case healthful behavior to then get a pleasurable experience and then hopefully get the repeat but i have to also have a reward so there's a context 
an action, and then a reward. Yeah. And so I'm going to use this one is um, let's use brushing your teeth. Okay. And you guys like said you like to have fun. So who? Tell me when. Hopefully you brush your teeth at least once a day. <laughs> or this is not going to work. Um, so when do you brush your teeth? After every single meal. Wow. And, I and you look at your teeth. They're so have, they're so pretty. And I have <laughs> many processes I go through to brush my teeth. Really? <laughs> really? You had no idea. Wow. She's oh, I didn't OCD know I was opening yes, this one. Okay. Okay. So How much time you got? <laughs> when do you brush your teeth in the morning? Or do you, do, do you brush them in the morning? Yes. yes. Are you sitting? Okay. Are you standing in front of the mirror? Yes. You are. Are you doing that after you eat breakfast or before? Depends on when I eat. Okay. So there's a depends. <laughs> so, and then what about you? Do you? I, I, twice a day, after breakfast and before I go to bed. You? Yeah, I try to, twice a day, I would say. Twice a day. So, but it's probably a little bit different. The point is the action is brushing the teeth, okay? Or eating fruits and vegetables. In this case, though, there's a context. Some people, it's right when they get up in the, it's like they go yeah. to the bathroom, they, they wash their hands, they brush their teeth. Some people, you've heard of brushing their teeth in like in the shower while they're listening <laughs> to music. For you, you have a, a, you have a elaborate a process yes. for which you're gonna brush your teeth. And then what's the reward? Well, the reward is fresh breath. I don't have things, you know, hanging between, you know, I have a feeling there might be some, you know, flossing yeah. involved in here. So I don't have things hanging in my t It feels like I just brushed my teeth. That's the reward. Okay. So if we, if we looked at every point for which consumers have the opportunity to select, purchase, store, prepare, consume, and we could break that out even much more in detail, yeah. is we would want to try to almost identify the, every, the rate limiting steps for consumption and try to overcome those in a common context. Yeah. So we need, it's, if you're a marketeer or a merchandiser or whatever, how are you creating a context for which people, coffee is another one. I, people have coffee habits. How do I get them to have a fruit and vegetable habit? And most people have a ritual for which they go have their coffee. It could be the smell. It could be, what are all of the senses for which we can um, you know, get people to recognize? Right. Um, and flavor and smell and the appearance and all of that goes into it. Yeah. And um, if we just focus on, do we make Super important, by the way. I just wrote a piece that I said, that's super important, by the way. We can't win games if we don't try to, um, you know, make the quarterly sales numbers or the weekly sales, however you're, whatever you're held accountable to. Right. But we also have to kind of keep, we also have to play the long game, too. Yeah. And um, how do we break that down into winning plays? Right. And everybody can participate there. Yeah. But the big thing is the pleasurable experience with the product and a lot of people are lost when it comes to so many items in the produce yes. aisle. How do I fix that? You know, okay, I cooked it, but it, you know, it tastes like mush, whatever. Yes. They, the education on each product is really vital. Yeah. So. And we're, try we're trying to do that. So, again, we break that up into know, feel, and do. So the knowledge part, that's facts figures, do I know how to select, store, yeah. and serve this? Then am I confident? Because it's not all about just, um, there's a great campaign by a large uh, berry grower, and it was around berry joy, okay? Yeah. And so it had this, I love this, because I put this on a slide, because it's awesome to with an audience, is you can visualize a slide or a a picture, a graph, it's a, it's a bar graph. And so it's asking the question, which one of these products ha provides the most joy? That's probably oversimplifying. And so there's, there's several fruits and then there's some vegetables. Which, I gave it away. Let's see if you were listening. <laughs> which fruit did people rate as the most joyful? Berries. Berries. Kind, yeah. How did kale fare? <laughs> on that one. It was the lowest. Oh, yeah. It was I'm the lowest. Yeah. But what what were some of the emotions that we can tie to vegetables? Yeah. They are harder. They require work. Right. Um, but if we can overcome some of those barriers, 
what is the emotion that we can tap into there? Do you have any ideas? <laughs> well, I the thing that came to my mind right away is I love buffalo wings, right? Oh, okay. But what are they always served with? Carrots and celery. Yeah. And I never used to like to just eat carrots and celery until I started ordering buffalo wings. Now, I can go I, I go and get carrots and celery sticks and, and munch on them. Without yeah. the buffalo wings. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, okay. So you had a context yeah. and then you switched yeah. it around. I mean, that's only a very small but, one. But, but how do you feel after, like, oh, I, I did the veg vegetable. If berries are, and fruit is joyful, yeah. really vegetables are smart and yeah, they a evoke a sense of pride. Mm -hmm. If I am uh, okay. successful I get it. in this, right. I now have a different emotion for which right. to tap into. Right. They're not the same. I like to say yeah. fruits and veggies are like your kids. You know, you love them both, but they're not the same and you can't treat them the same and you can't expect the same things. That's a very good point. And um, so that's that emotive part. So so we're, we're reinforcing those facts and figures. We're talking to consumers about the emotions and encouraging them and talking to them yeah. about the emotional experience to then inspire the doing and then encouraging straight up recognizing that habits are less about willpower the more about thinking about an existing context and an associated reward My, mindfulness up. mindfulness eating is a big thing now yeah. do you i'm sure you're focused on that so we'll or? talk we'll talk about that i would say yeah. we might capture it in the context of habits right yeah you right. know um a new client that you might really uh attack is disney because last night i had a charcuterie board <laughs> and it had and you know generally when you go to a place for that they get stingy on this is through room service i'm taking it at the hotel here? no i no. actually did not order room service oh. but thank you very much <laughs> I, I did thought to cross my mind i, I did go down your jammies <laughs> ordering room service <laughs> no i was slumming in the, in the bar area but oh, okay. <laughs> but, but, but disney owns this hotel that's what i'm trying to get across to our yeah. listeners so they understand yes. the context and you went to the restaurant in this hotel correct right <laughs> so um they had you know usually like the meat part would be what they would skimp on uh, somebody who's serving it right because that's going to be probably one of the more expensive, expensive right they did not skimp on the meat um the cheese they were a little bit stingy with um and certainly like the crackers part of it, which that's gotta be the, the, the least expensive. They threw a couple olives on there and a pathetic, you know, two carrot discs and some pickled uh, As a veg. garnish is what you're saying, <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, so, but what was really missing, and I ended up leaving more than half of it and I boxed it up and brought it home for my husband, but what was really missing was some nice grapes that were on there or if they they had so many opportunities to put different fruits you know yeah. and veggies disney actually did something um oh, and it still goes on today um but that was very at the time when this was first introduced it was really important um in the in, particularly in the food and nutrition world so i we talked about the no feel do behavioral framework and the doing part when you look at the literature is doing is about or action is many times will be most successful if it's automatic okay mm -hmm. so at the time there was a big there was another um, book and it was a, it was called nudge and it was about these more helpful nudges essentially what we would call behavioral architecture around trying to make the healthiest choice the easiest choice and so instead of fries disney at the time was one of the leaders in um it was not automatically fries it was a fresh fruit yeah. like a fruit salad right. essentially right. and um so the default was that so maybe people would they're both they're both great they're both you know from a produce perspective they're both delicious yeah. um but there was an interest obviously from the public health community around fresh fresh fruit in that instance and they were very much praised for that you could still order the fries yeah um and so people for did a that. small upcharge <laughs> uh, but but um but it was it was seen as a positive move right um now there were probably operational 
challenges yeah. with that. And so this is where, right, it's that collaboration where we're in, we're not just talking about what the ultimate innovation is or the, the action even from the food service community, but how do we break down those steps so that was easy to implement and easy for consumers um, to understand or easy to recognize the choices that they had. And so taking a little bit more time and really breaking down that consumer journey um, and thinking about how everybody in the value chain can do their part of making it easy yeah. will make the choices, the health ones in this case, more automatic. Right. And if they're automatic, then we're going to have an opportunity to increase consumption yeah. and by changing habits. You know, I can tell you uh, firsthand there is a thing called acquired taste. <laughs> and you can acquire a taste. You can. And I think uh, you know the wine industry has wine tastings. I think we need to have vegetable tastings and teach acquired taste. Do you? I, I love what you're saying. And so actually there's a lot of literature around exposure both with young children as well as an adult adults and the repeated exposure is um, so critical but it, it does yield returns and the challenging part for young parents for example is it could take um, up to 14 to 16 times for us to really see the that return but you're absolutely right and I think there's something very important to take away from that um, the other you were talking about I'll tell you, give you another example though. Let's now talk about the influencers you mentioned. Right. So there were two instances. It was a uh, one of our partners, a Apple company, and our grower, and then we also have um, potato, another potato grower. Okay, and actually one is a grower shipper, and then the potato folks in this case is actually a breeder that then's working hmm. along the along the plane, but I wanted to give both a fruit and vegetable example. And and both of these folks used our platform uh, in, in multiple instances to actually break down really, for example, the different apple varieties. And not just, this took courage, obviously, on their part because, and they had lots of varieties of their own, which was helpful, but to really help folks, our, our influencers understand all the new varieties and what made them unique not in isolation but among each other hmm. and taste um, is a huge issue when you're selecting um, a ultimate uh, you know how you whether you're going to use it for example for baking or just a snack I mean they're going to be different right. and there's going to be different note flavor notes that are going to appeal to certain folks over others so and that actually if you take the time to do that I would say this inspired much greater appreciation for the growers and the process associated with developing the varieties as well. But it also created greater appreciation for the innovation that's taking place in the category, um, which I think is what people really are hoping for with yeah. a lot of those varieties. In the instance of potatoes, this was fascinating um, because at retail, how are potatoes categorized? Um, how are well, they merchandised? Oh, with the onions and all the hardware items? They are, but often, and tell me Bag, if I... Bagged and loose, though. Both. And color. Color, yeah. Right. And that may or may not. So do consumers, have we trained them to pick by color versus application around taste and flavor? Right. And so this company is trying to change the game around potatoes. And so they actually provided us with, an, the influencers with an overview of what they're doing in terms of um, varieties for certain culinary applications. What, and they had done a lot of consumer insight work, which indicated that yes, in fact, in this case, young millennials and Gen Zs want this and want to be almost merchandised to based on culinary application, not necessarily color, which, they could they they care about it because but that's only one element for which people are eating they're eating with their eyes but ultimately they're eating for an end right. experience mm -hmm. not right. necessarily just color and so i think these things are really important to talk about because but they would require more of a systematic change for example in terms of produce merchandising yeah. and knowledge among produce staff not just and also inspiration from consumers good luck with the knowledge on produce staff <laughs> yeah I, I, I i've heard, i've heard this but you know it reminded me both of these instances have you ever seen that movie uh moonstruck with Cher? oh a, a yeah. long time okay ago. i, I love this movie 
And anyway, so she's falling in love with the wrong person, and, uh, and that's Cher's character. But her mother is going, this Italian mother, very wise, meets a man who keeps trying to date younger women. And he realizes that he fears death. Okay, and so he keeps repeating the same behavior. And finally she says to, a, to the, this man, she goes, what you don't know about women is a lot. <laughs> and it's a great line by Olympia Dukakis in the movie. But anyway, and in the Italian way she says it. Yeah. But it's true. What consumers and or even the people that are influencing their decisions don't know is a lot. Right. And I will say, tell you that these two, these two sessions or educational opportunities did so much to improve the influencers, the inspirers' perception and willingness to promote both these categories with greater confidence as well. Wow. Are you familiar with the organization Brighter Bites yes, in I Houston? Am. They are doing a wonderful thing for kids in that area. Uh, it's a foundation. They are working with the parents of these children and low-income kids, and they're supplying fruits and vegetables that have been donated or mon people have given money to, to supply it, and they're taking them into the schools and giving them to the kids and the parents to take home and sample and you know he was telling me that they had one child who had never eaten an orange and this is a wow. grammar school child yeah and this is you know his way of attacking this problem of teaching people the joy of yes. fruits, fruits and vegetables yeah. so rich dockman is that here talking to you yeah. he's he's a friend of many um and i would call him a close friend as well um i think brighter bites is certainly a best in class program in that it it does capitalize on the no feel and do part of yeah. this so there's there's not just the products right uh, there's the demand for the products because the locations that Rich and that or Brighter Bites are going into, there's demand for food, period. Now we have an opportunity to decide or to help, you know, craft kind of a create demand around fresh fruits and vegetables. Then we have, um, to, and the desires there, then we have the, the education that we were talking about before. Because if you've never seen it, I'm just, and this is like why it's so important too, to just step out of yourself for a second. Does, did that kid know how to peel it? How to get it started? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Was it difficult? Um, did it take a second? Maybe so. Then what do I do? Like, do I eat the do I eat the peel, or do I eat the which one? Do, you know, yeah. I mean, they seem like simple questions to but, us, but, but for somebody but, who's never eaten, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And or dragon fruit, or, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> or and then what do I do with this? Like, I'm only going to eat half. Now, what else can I do with it? Or how do I prepare this in a really fun way yeah. for kids? And so. I think what they're doing is an example of, yes, we're giving them nutrition education, but we're also really helping people feel good um, with fresh fruits and vegetables, and we're getting people to act on this. And I think some of the data coming out of that program shows that the exposure plus the education completed in a way that's meaningful for those communities, which won't be the same for everyone, um, is having a longer term impact even beyond the program, i.e. repeat purchase. And that's what the industry wants and the community wants those health and well-being benefits and those experiences right. as well. So. Did anyone notice in the, uh, the program this morning, the educational session about the consumer re research that they asked people when they would eat fruits and vegetables, what percentage would they eat what what would they eat for lunch yes breakfast and one of the things was 33 percent of the people said they have vegetables for dessert and i thought i love vegetables but i don't know I can't about think that of having vegetables i don't know dessert. about that yeah. <laughs> unless they were talking like black we're talking about like black beans something you know yeah, what yeah. i mean in yeah. a in a age you know Teresa Asian makes a, a fantastic chocolate hummus yeah okay there you, there you go. go there you go yeah okay i need to try that um yeah for sure but but there but we have found similar not so much on the dessert side but similar kind of habitual when do i typically eat this or that and then so there's two two ways of looking at that they were looking saying okay what's the missed opportunity here let's add for example vegetables to breakfast items so that's one way of looking at it or it's also how do i look at 
what is the traditional behavior here? How do I add to that existing behavior? How do I create new ones? How do I expand or enhance existing ones? Yeah, yeah I guess if you had raw broccoli after dinner, you could call it dessert. You could, you could, you could. Well, in Europe, I think it's changed a bit now, but when I first started going to Europe, I traveled there and worked there a lot. The salad was the last thing you ate in in most countries there. France, and maybe not Germany, France, Spain, the salad was the last last Um, thing. Well, and, and, um, I don't, still not calling that dessert. Anne-Marie, she's Dutch, I think, so maybe that's where that, that that, that one set, she was like the one. Oh, that's right, she is, yeah, yeah. That's where that one came from. I'm not from. sure I'd call that, still call that dessert. But, I guess uh, we got to find out what does, de- what does dessert mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, you go back, does that mean what you eat after you have your meal? <laughs> you get your just desserts in this world. That's all I can yeah. say. <laughs> well, you've uh, answered, you've anticipated a lot of my questions. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, we, we'll keep you here all day and night if you could, but I'm sure you can't. So we're running out of time. But let's have a little fun. Okay. Um, let me get my uh, notes up here. I want to know what is Wendy's favorite reference to a fruit or vegetable in a movie or a TV show? Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! I was like, okay, I, I feel like this is—I feel like the rapid fire is coming. But what is the question? I didn't anticipate that. My favorite. Take your time. Well, I could say I—I I could Rick, say one. Rick, while you're th- oh. Go ahead. No, go. I was going to say Rick is going to tell. I was going to ask Rick while you're thinking. Okay, ask him and then I'll tell you what his is. Yeah, my favorite one is. My favorite one is from Everybody Loves Raymond. When Raymond signs signs his mother up for the Fruit of the Month Club. (laughs) I remember a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, and so she gets this box of pears, and she was dumbfounded. Raymond came and said. You sent me a whole box of pears. What am I supposed to do with these pears? He said, well, it's the Fruit of the Month Club. Um, every month, a different kind of fruit box is going to come with a different fruit. And she was, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do with all this fruit? And she, she was just carrying on and on about it. She, there's, he, well, give it to your neighbors. What is this? Some kind of a cult you signed? Yeah, yeah, right, right. And then she had to deal with it for twelve for an additional eleven months, right? So it, be, yeah. it, it was a little arduous yeah, um, right. in that respect. Um, one okay. of my colleagues reminded me about um, there was a movie called Good Goodwill Hunting was where the movie line was, okay. um, where he there's a guy who's feeling a little bit maybe intimidated. He wants to ask this girl for her number because he's from Boston. And um, and so finally, in the end, they're going back and forth. He's kind of the underdog, if you will. And finally, he, sl- he gets their number, by the way. And then he goes over to the other guy and he says, I got a number. How do you like them apples? Uh, and so, anyway, that was a good one. Um, I kept thinking, though, when you said this about George um, George Bush, remember he made a big comment about broccoli, about yeah, he hated and then yeah. yeah, he like hated right. broccoli, that was the and first then that was W H, right? Yeah, right. So anyway, I did that one came to mind as yeah. well. What about you? Let me put you in the hot seat here, produce uh, buzzer. I thought Rick was going to say this one: Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, actually, Rick came up with that one. We we had a little fun with this before on another one, and oh, he cool. came up with that. Okay, so I got another one. Okay, good. Okay, I'm, I like this game. Name. A band, a mu- musical band okay. that has uh, fruit or vegetable in the name. Oh my goodness! <laughs> There's but, two or three very popular ones, but I've found there, quite a few. There are two or three. Like all I can think right now is like because I was looking at this deep purple, but that's not. not quite. Um, uh, no. Okay, the Beatles. This is a plant-based protein. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I don't. I can't think of it no, right now. Okay. You're really stumping no, me. No, that's great. We got. Okay, we got, we, you got you me. You lost. Oh, the black eyed peas. Okay, I'm gonna give that credit over to my yeah. friend over here with PBH, uh, yes, Katie, Katie Caligaro. Yeah. Thank you, Katie. Black eyed peas. She's good with music. Right. We should have her sing. Oh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She's a great singer. Oh, she's my. a great singer. So next time. <laughs> well, there's we'll a couple others. Tune. Cranberries. The cranberries. cranberries. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. Smashing pumpkins. Smashing pumpkins. <laughs> Go do it again. Say Anybody it again. Else? Uh, chili. Is there a red hot chili peppers? Yes. Oh, that's one of my favorite 
so far. Okay. Now, you're way too young for this, but there was peaches and herb. No, I know that. You I really know that group. That? Yes, yes. I do. So, there's a few others out there. There we'll, is. We'll okay, now I gotta, I'm going to, That's. these are great trivia questions. Yeah. By I asked Alexa, and there's actually a group called Lettuce. There is? There is. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can cross that. The yeah. music wasn't very good. Okay. <laughs> Must have been iceberg. Yeah, 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 right. I knew there was a pun in there. I was just like not clever enough for that. Okay, just do come on, let's do another one. Oh, okay. Well, let's see. Do, do I have, have another, another one? one? Well, let's go to idioms. You brought up, but how do you like them apples? Can okay. you think of any other fruit idioms, fruit or vegetables? Can you? Yeah. You're so smart. There's a lot. Well, you had time to think about this. You did some research. Okay, name one. Um, well, cherry picking. Oh, yeah. Stop cherry picking. Yeah, stop That's cherry right. picking. There's a lot with apples. Um, how do you like them apples? What is some, now, it's totally gone out of my mind. I was reading a bunch of the apple ones. Um, I'm going like bananas. Things. Yeah. I feel like that every yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> After this conversation, for sure. <laughs> These are great. So I need to come up with one now. We need a whole fruit and vegetable, like, trivia. Yeah. That's, I think we should. Yeah, we we have been doing that occasionally in episodes where I do a mystery fruit or veggie of the day. Okay, and then and like, I ask, I give them clues and they try to guess. Right. And my clues are always too difficult. They're some <laughs> esoteric comment that makes absolutely no sense. You could put doorknob in there and it wouldn't fit. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I see how he rolls. I, got, I, got, I make them too difficult. You know, going back to the history, like you know what? Always his, has to you be know the asper uh, Asparagus. No. <laughs> Hes Hesperidium. Is. Yes, I have known this. The Hesperidium is an orange. Well, an orange is a Hesperidium, and it's basically. So we're doing botan. We're doing like the botan. Like go, the yeah, but where does the name? Why, why was? Where did the name Hesperidium come from? It came from Greek mythology. Okay. Uh, in an area called Hesperia, there was a. I won't get into the story because I'll probably mess it up. But um, there was a special garden mm -hmm. that uh, was called Hesperia, and. They were called, the, what was growing in that garden were called golden apples in Greek, but scientists and historical botanists, I guess, believe those were oranges, not, They're and they were called golden apples, but they were, the Greek term was truly, golden apples. But they but, were truly oranges. Yeah, they, were, they think they were. So okay. a botanist in the 1700s uh, made that classification. I thought it was going to be like, he was going to be Mr. Hesperia <laughs> yeah. or whatever, you know, like name him after himself because, you know, he Now everybody's out. asleep with yeah. my boring uh, <laughs> historical clues. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, brother. Well, yeah, no. Uh, well, I, I think we should do... Um, Next time, if there's a, hopefully there's a next oh, time, we can have we could do like a name that tune, and Katie could sing. Sing, okay. Yeah. And then I think this could be yeah. fun. I All think right. we could have even more fun next well, time. That's true. Well, or play the music of the cranberries. What about yeah. what about songs that are that have fruits and vegetables in them? Yeah, I'll sing it with me. I haven't yeah, done. we we did something like this. You should check it out, and maybe we could make a game out of this one. It was all fruit. And vegetable puns ah. on the names of songs. So it was, we oh, called it Sing It With Me. Okay. So, like Britney Spears, um, Oops, I Bit It again, and with like the thing, like an apple. Yeah. Um, or. Oh, I um, thought you were going to say like sweet asparagus spears. Well, that, you could do that too. Or um, uh, Sweet Clementine instead of oh, Sweet. Right. And people got into this. I bet. Because, weird. and there's actually. I'm gonna bring it back home here because we're we're getting crazy. Is there's actually a lot of this is rooted in behavioral science because song lyrics we typically assert with a memory, or at the very least, the lyrics themselves are what we would call sticky to your brain. Right. You memorize them. So the goal there for us was to get people thinking about fruits and vegetables right. in the context of some of their favorite, most beloved songs, and then um, turn those initial thoughts into actual action. So yeah. you can check out the campaign. It was fantastic. It was super successful. That's fan That's a great way to end. Yeah. And uh, that's what we try to do here. With the, our, our philosophy was, let's have fun as, yes. as much as we can. Sometimes I get a little boring, but we like to have fun. 
just to get people thinking about it and not preach to them. And I learned that from you and then P PBH that, oh, no, we shouldn't be just say eat your veggies. We need to have some fun with it. But thank you so much for being with us today and taking the time. Uh, everybody, uh, our listeners, go to fruitsandveggies.org and uh, look at all the fantastic information that's there about fresh fruits and vegetables and great ideas, recipe ideas. Uh, you will be inspired. You will know, you will feel, and you will be inspired. Yeah, <laughs> to actually there. do something. That's right. Let's do this. So have a plan. Well, That's thank right. you so much. Thank you so much for having it. me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in to the Produce Buzzers podcast today. We hope you enjoyed Wendy's insightful and inspiring interview. She, along with the others at the Produce for Better Health Foundation, are doing such important and effective work and having a great impact. Please visit their website and check out all the wonderful information, recipes, and great ideas to inspire you to eat more fresh fruit and veggies. Once again, the address is fruitandveggies.org. That's fruit, A-N-D, veggies.org. Fruitandveggies.org. Please take a second before you leave to subscribe and or follow our podcast on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. We are on over 10 different podcast feeds, including YouTube. And if you want to help support this podcast by making a donation, we would be so grateful. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash produce hyphen buzz and you will see a support button below the podcast description. Click on it. Give what you can. No amount is too small. And, of course, no amount is too large. Thank you, listeners, and good night. Well, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the Produce Buzzers podcast. Brought to you by Produce Buzz, the gathering place for lovers of fresh fruits and veggies. We hope you were entertained a bit and educated a lot about fresh produce. Be sure to join us next time, and please tell your friends to do so as well. Like, share, and comment on our Produce Buzz Facebook page, and check out our website at www.producebuzz.com. There you will find articles about fresh fruits and veggies, how to select, store, and prepare them, as well as lots of interesting facts about all the wonderful bounty the earth provides for us. Until next time, be fruitful and don't forget to veg out.